What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. Today on the show, skateboarding legend, Jeff Rowley. More on that in a second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to DamienAbraham.com. There's an email address there you can reach me at. You can also hit me up on various forms of social media, at Left for Damien. You can also go over to Facebook.com, and you can like the Turned Out of Punk Facebook page. It's run by my brother, Tristan Abraham. We post stuff about the show there. If you use Facebook, uh, I don't, but a lot of people do. <laughs> I understand it's a, uh, a cool thing to kind of check out, post things that get sent into the show. Uh, you can also uh, go over and go to tumblr.com and you go to or turn out a punk.tumblr.com and check out sort of the same stuff that gets posted over there on the Tumblr site as well. Um, you can also, if you want to support this show, go over to iTunes and subscribe to this if you use iTunes and write a review and rate it. And you can also just tell your friends if you don't use iTunes. That's a great way to support the show. But if you do use iTunes, you will find on that stream, there's also a couple other podcasts that come up in the Turned Out of Punk family. And we're going to be adding more and taking some out of that stream and giving them their own streams. And, oh, my gosh, tons of stuff is happening in the Turned Out of Punk world um, in the near future. More on that in a second as well. Uh, but you will see that there's a show out there called Turned Out of Punk Footnotes, which is hosted by myself and my good friend and your good friend, Chris O'Toole. And each week he and I dissect a Turned Out of Punk episode and kind of dive into the, uh, the uh, you know, the, the nooks and the crannies of everything and talk about some of the nerdier stuff we could always talk about about these episodes. Um, it's a fun podcast. Uh, and it also has a very active mailbag. So if you have uh, questions or anything, you can send them into that show as well. Um, and I think that's it. You know, that's, I think, it for right now uh, as far as to talk about uh, before we go on to, oh, I guess we should talk about the other podcasts. Yeah. Okay, other podcasts in the Turned Out of Bunk family include Clobbering Time, which is hosted by my fel- myself and Tom Bryan. We have a new episode coming soon. We're just waiting on a big guest to get back to us. So we might have some other ones coming up in the interim because it's taken a while to get to that episode. So, you know, we've got some stuff planned for that one. And there's also uh, Oil and Flowers or Oils and Flowers. I think we're still trying to figure it out which one. And that is hosted by myself and my friend DJ Buddha Blaze. And each week we're going to talk about weed on that show. We're also going to have guests on that show, but we're going to be talking about weed. So that's going to be coming up soon. So if you don't like weed, do not click on that one. But if you do like weed, definitely click on that podcast and check it out. Uh, And uh, yeah, that is it for this podcast stuff to talk about. Now on to Turned Out of Punk other business, which includes Turned Out of Punk has its first ever live appearance coming up. That's right. Turned Out of Punk is going to be appearing as part of the Sound on Sound Festival in Austin, Texas. And this is a uh, a festival put on by the, the good people that did the Fun, Fun, Fun Festival. And I think they've now just kind of gone out and done their own their own, their own thing, you know, and it's, it's amazing. It's always like an incredible, you know, a list of bands that, you know, like where else will you see Young Thug play with Youth of Today? Where else would you get to see Turned Out of Punk Live. That's right. We're going to be appearing on the uh, comedy stage and podcast stage that they have set up. Uh, they're also going to be, uh, Tim Heidecker's going to be there. Todd Berry's going to be there. There's going to be lots of other stuff. And the bands that are playing, you know, Explosions in the Sky, Run the Jewels, Descendants, Purity Ring, Death Grips, Young Thug, Thursday, Mac DeMarco, uh, Courtney uh Burnett, uh, Wale, Flag, uh, God, there's so much, so much stuff, tons of stuff that I want to get to. Oh, my, Dead Milkman. Oh my gosh, there's tons of people I would love to have on the show. 
Touche Amore, Bob Mould, Dylan Joe There's a lot of people. It's going to be a fun thing. So if you are in the Austin, Texas area on the weekend of November 5th, sorry, 4th, 5th, and 6th, uh, you want to go over to Sherwood Forest and check that out. It is going to be a fun time, and I'm going to be doing this live. Probably much more organized than I'm doing this right now with this podcast, because I am running out the door to go play shows, and I've been running all over the place doing other things. It's been a, a hectic fall, a hectic, hectic fall, but it has not stopped me from having... I got to say, one of the coolest runs of guests that I've ever been on, and it's not going to stop, um, because this week on the show, we have a very, very, you know, influential person in a lot of people's lives, you know, um, Jeff Rally. you know, not just people that are fans of skateboarding, where he is a legend, a legitimate legend, but also people, you know, like myself that played video games, you know, you, you know, people are laughing about that right now, but don't underestimate the power of playing a video game. Antoine talked about the influence of that soundtrack. I love those soundtracks in the Tony Hawk games. Granted, you know, I'd heard like adolescence and stuff prior to that, but like getting to hear them in that context and, and playing video games, you know, playing Jeff Rowley's character in a video game. I don't know. It's, it's, it, those are, uh, you know, key moments of when I should have been spending more time applying myself to school. But no, I was applying myself to video games. But anyway, Jeff is someone that I've gotten to meet because uh, Fucked Up played a show that he put on a couple months ago, or I guess a year ago now, in Long Beach, California, where he opened up a free skate park for local kids in the area. It was in a particularly violent area of Long Beach, and this was going to be a free kind of cool activity for kids to have access to. And, you know, they brought skateboards down, gave skateboards out to kids, and we got to play uh, one of the most surreal shows because we were playing in a gazebo in broad daylight in the middle of rush hour. And it was uh, a very, a very amazing one. And I think Lee at the time from Trash Talk had a broken ankle or leg or something crazy, but he was uh, in a wheelchair watching the show. It did something that I will remember forever that day. But anyway, Jeff Rowley was there and... It was amazing watching person after person come up to him and just be starstruck. And I'm, I'm talking about people that, you know, had been around, you know, quote unquote, celebrity type people before and have been totally fine, but just be totally taken aback by being around, you know, Jeff Rowley. And it's, it, you know, because these, these people become, they're professional athletes, you know, and this is for someone who doesn't like, you know, sports, quote unquote, in the capital S way. I don't know if you consider skateboarding a sport. I think that's a really controversial thing to say amongst certain people in skateboarding, but you know, these these people are like superheroes. Like they're they're larger than life and the stuff they can do, you know, especially for me who sucks on a skateboard is truly godlike. So anyway, I've been working on having Jeff on the show for a while now and finally we were able to make it happen and I'm really grateful that I was able to do this. Um now, on to something, uh, unfortunately, kind of a bummer that I have to talk about before I get into the show today. Jeff brings up a band today on the show that is legendary to skateboarding and, and punk and skate rock and all that kind of stuff. They have a lead singer who actually started Thrasher Magazine. He's one of the founders of Thrasher Magazine, was the first editor there. But unfortunately, the band's name is Hate Speech. There's no other way to put it. Um... And it doesn't end with the name. If you look into this band, they had a shtick that was racist. There's no other way to put it. Um, and so I want to apologize for the offense that the name causes people. But I also want to say to anyone and everyone, we got to kind of look into some of these bands. And you know, some of the stuff that these bands do, we got to call them on it, you know. And this isn't meant to be something, you know, on the show we keep it kind of light generally and things like that. But... You know, this is this is kind of ridiculous that this stuff is still going on and that we don't really talk about it and stuff. So, you know, and for those of you who say like, oh, well, you know, it's in the past, blah, blah, blah. No, this stuff is still real. You know, look into anything to do with the current treatment of indigenous peoples in Canada or America and sort of the racism suffered by peoples all over the world, you know, indigenous people all over the world. So, um I want to apologize again for the band's name, and I want to apologize for any offense people have taken by hearing it and stuff like that. And uh, it's it's a weird one because it is something that is so tied to skateboarding history, as you'll hear. But I don't know. I just 
thought I should acknowledge that. So anyway, back on to today's show. Today's show is a great conversation with a incredibly influential person in skateboarding, someone who I don't necessarily share all the same opinions about of music as you'll hear on the show and stuff like that. But at the same time, someone that has had a massive influence on myself and many of my friends and many people I know, and probably many people I don't know. I'm sure many, many people I don't know. I don't know that many people in the grand scheme of things. So everyone, please sit back, relax, and enjoy Jeff Rowley on Turned Out a Punk. Jeff, as I, we were just talking about, this has taken us so long to make happen, but that is not for lack of trying. No, it's not for lack of trying on your end, and believe it or not, on my end, just the, the planets did not want to align. No. Um, but but they have finally touched down and landed, and uh, we are, in fact, uh, in the same time and space right now. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's all that matters is the here and now, and I guess in this case, the past. Um, so I'm going to start this off the way I start them all off, which is, how did you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you kind of ever came across the genre? Well, I, I mean, I, I grew up in Liverpool, right? And uh, I, I grew up playing soccer, playing football. Do you know what I mean? Since I was a little Absolutely. embryo, my dad played football like crazy. And so he played, he actually managed a team and he was semi-professional. And then when I was like, I played for like a Sunday league team called the Egbeth People's Hall. And then I played for my school team. Um, but when I started skating, when I first started skating, uh, the first time I saw a skateboard, I was, I was just like kids riding down a, a hill at the back of this shopping center and they were just like small plastic skateboards. Um, but then really when I start seeing guys, um, from my school, a guy that, um, a guy uh, that had a kind of a big orange mohawk and, uh, and he had like denim jacket with, you know, Iron Maiden patches on the back. Um, and, um, and another friend of mine whose name was Gobbo, uh, he was like just a Neanderthal looking guy. But, mm-hmm. but I saw them walking down the street with like skateboards and the boards were like big boards with big bright wheels and bright graphics. And I'd never seen that stuff before, but I'd also never really, I never really linked up skateboarding with punk. Like growing up punk, I was not really, that wasn't in my household. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first started, started seeing skaters around before I'd even bought a board it was the first time I kind of saw like real punkers on the street that I knew, you know, and, uh, and so I went into a skate shop in the town that, or a record shop called probe records. And I knew they, I knew they sold skateboards just from, from word of mouth, but it was kind of like up, back then it was up like a kind of a dingy side street, which is now like the busiest tourist area. It's almost <laughs> like a few doors away from the cavern, which it's it was, weird. it was around. Yeah. But now I think it's um, like some fashion store or something like that. But, but it was there up until a couple of years ago, right? Like it was there until recently. Well, it moved. It's moved a bunch yeah. of times. It's still there. Yeah. It's still there. It's it's actually Probe Records in Liverpool is still there. Awesome. Um, but when I went into the shop, that was the first time I was. I would say I was really exposed to just punk music and punk artwork and and, and just the sound of it all and mm-hmm. the, and the smell of it too. Punk has generally <laughs> been fairly smelly. Um, and I think that that's probably the first time I like was introduced to punk music or heard it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So so kind of like, I guess when you kind of went from there, you bought, I guess, your first skateboard. And I yeah. know you've spoken about it before. They needed to have grip tape or something. You had to wait. For that yeah, time. there was like two skateboards in the in the record shop. There was a Skull Skates Dead Guys, which had like Elvis Presley and um, I think um, maybe Costello. I can't remember who was on the on the on the actual uh, graphic, but they had like two two boards to choose from, a couple of trucks. So I just put together. Basically, all they had mismatched yeah. trucks, no grip tape, um, <laughs> and and that was it. And then my dad put the truck on the wrong way around. We had to fix that, and that was that was my first Christmas present. Um, the, so then we started every time I'd go into the city to skate. This was like shortly after I started skating. I would always go to Probe Records because mm-hmm. that they had the skate stuff. So they'd always get new stuff in there, and I'd always go into the counter and look at the stickers and look at whatever was in there just because I was into it. So I'd, we would skate outside the front of Probe and piss the guy off and skate the banks down the side of the building, which, like I said, at that time, it was really run down in the city. So there was just poop everywhere and and kind of like that that mm-hmm. kind of area, which is now the busiest area in Liverpool, was essentially just dead waste ground, you know. 
and a couple of pubs and bars down the side streets. So you'd get like a drunken guy coming past, but, um, so that's kind of, you know, at, at that point, then, you know, from there on out, like I, I saw more and more and more of it and the, and the guys I would see in the city, um, I didn't know anybody that skated other than, you know, one or two guys that lived near me. So when we'd go to probe, uh, in there, I met a load of guys or saw, saw a load of guys skate that I didn't know and that were from a different part of the city. And some of those guys were heavily into punk music. Mm. Uh, so I was exposed as a little uh, kid to that. You know, it wasn't something I grew up in. I didn't grow up in a, like a punk family. I mean, my dad was this your classic kind of middle class hard work and dude that um, he liked rock and roll. You know, yeah. he liked the Moody Blues and Zeppelin and that kind of stuff. Um, and same with my mother. Actually, my mother liked country music, so she'd listen to like a lot of um, Johnny Cash and and that kind of stuff in the house. Um, so those were that's really what I was influenced by. And then, you know, my city, sister was a, was a dancer, so she was just straight up like eighties Madonna mayhem <laughs> in the house, just dancing around. And uh, but it was that, and it was the, it's the skate videos, really. Like I mean, when you first start skating. It's everything, right? Like yeah. you, you, you soak it up like a sponge. You know the graphics, the artwork. Like so much effort goes into skateboard graphics. Think about like how much hand-drawn artwork went into those early graphics, and oh, and the so, layers of screening required to get kind of those colors on it as well, oh, yeah. and all that kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, cutting all the ruby lifts for every <laughs> one of those graphics. But but as a, as a kid, that was what really, you know, the punk music was part and parcel of that. Like that was skate music at that time and so that's how i got exposed to it through watching skate videos and, th and then going who was that you know <laughs> who, who's who's singing right now he looks sounds like he's going to rip the wall down and he's going to slash it with a with a grind too so um that's that's how it kind of started and you know so friends of mine would give me uh, a friend of mine called martin he would always try to get me to you know listen to listen to whatever it was the descendants and and um black flag and man threat and like those kinds of that kind of music mm -hmm. and uh and uh and then all kind of like the mayhem punk but i didn't know half of what i was listening to so and i didn't know how to access that and i didn't have a record player at first and so it was all new to me it was just all like a really trippy new sound and and uh it wasn't until really a few years after i started skating where i really actually started to sit down and listen to the music you know and read the lyrics and stuff like that absolutely like but when you when you were because you're obviously too young to have probably been through or remembered like sort of the pistol sphere but were you yeah. like catching any of like just sort of these like little blips on like top of the pops when like these bands would be there as a young kid like yeah were you, were you like so when when you kind of met these punks did you have any sort of preconceptions about what it was going to be like because it just seems like at least in north america I can kind of remember it being kind of like, you know, something that was like presented in a, oh, you, you should be afraid of this thing. Yeah, it was there, but we were on, I mean, uh, we were from, we lived in, in, the, in the city, in a yeah. big city pretty yeah. much and hung out on the streets, you know what I mean? Yeah, like that's So us seeing that stuff was just a reflection of what was going on, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'm, I'm 40 years old now. So, um, you know, I, I, in 1984, I was eight years old. You know, and so that was like at the tail end of like a lot of like the pistol mayhem. Oh, yeah. So, but, but it was still alive and kicking, you know, and it was still, it was not like that kind of music that went through a phase and then it was gone. It, it, it reverberated and, and it, and it had a, a massive effect on, I think, a lot of, a lot of things, you know, I, I think it had a huge effect on artwork. Uh, I think it had a huge, you know, blatantly huge effect on, on youth culture uh, and on the fact that youth actually has a voice and, and, it, and it's important to listen to. Uh, I think punk, you know, was very much that and, you learn that a little bit of that when you start reading the lyrics, though, right? And you start understanding what a lot of the music's about. It's not all just smash them up and, and go. There, there is some genuine, uh, ta extremely you know, great amount of talented writers coming coming from that era. But I, but I did see like Motorhead and Sex Pistols on television growing up, absolutely. And I did see that exact same thing on the streets. You know, I seen you know guys walking down the street in full denim and leathers smashing things you know that yeah. kind of mayhem and you know i grew up on like a council estate uh in liverpool and uh, that's been knocked down now so there was a lot of like high-rise flats all around so mm -hmm. that kind of like vision of uh kind of suburbia that's half crumbled down half wasteland half like bombed out buildings and and just derelict everywhere and 
you know, uh, and drunks on the streets and, and uh, you know, and just and mayhem. And uh, I mean, on, honestly, I mean, I had a great upbringing, but I, I grew up in that. Yeah. I grew up right in that. I grew up like looking through waste grounds of broken down buildings and playing in that kind of stuff. Um, so the music, like when I first started listening to it, when I started to grow up, you know, when you're 12, 13, 14 years old, you're not really quite some some guys are and some guys aren't i wasn't really ready to sit down and, and listen to music i was too interested in, in, in skating mm-hmm. i'll be honest with you but the music was very much a part that dri- 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 uh, drove me to want to skate um a lot um and i would like hum the music as it was skating down the street mm-hmm. you know and then you find out it's you know, on black flag and so it kind of uh you know kind of went from there and, absolutely uh, when you kind of got, when you got yeah. into it, do you remember the first show you ever went to? Like, do you remember the first concert that you would go to? Ultimately, I, well, I couldn't get into it. Like, the planet was long gone. I was so small when yeah. I, I used to skate out round the side of that, um, and that was um, like that wasn't a really close to the first real skate shop in Liverpool, which was called Off the Wall, mm-hmm. uh, and that was that was ran by a pro skater named Neil Dans and. Uh, and he opened it up in a really old building in, in Liverpool called Quiggins. And the probe and Quiggins building is still there, although the guy who used to own it um, isn't involved with it anymore. But around the corner from that was where uh, the planet was. Mm-hmm. Now, I would hear about guys going in the planet, and, and I would be skating out, and people would say, come, let's go, let's go in there. But I was so little, I'd already tried to get in bars before and got like kicked out. Yeah. So I was terrified to go into like a, a, a punk bar with like at 12 years old. Now, if I sent you a picture of what I looked at, like at that age, you would think I was like six. Yeah. I was a little kid. I didn't really, my balls didn't really drop until I was like about four, 15, four, like kind of a late, a little bit later than, you know, 12 to 18 months later than like most of the other guys. Yeah. So I was pretty sensitive at that age. You know what I mean? Like I was, I knew I was a little sensitive, he says. Yeah, you, you say that to one of my friends growing up. They probably said I was a little shit, you know, <laughs> but um, but a little shit that was sensitive, and, and that's possible. Um, so so I would skate around the side of it, you know, like there was like curbs and stuff around the side that we would skate. Um, so I never got to see any of that music before I really moved over here. And then be honest with you, I don't remember. Like the first show I remember going to was over here. Um, I don't remember going to any music stuff before I moved to the states. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't honestly, I remember the first CD, CD, CD I had, yeah, was that? Was, um, you know, because no CD, I don't know if there was, I don't know if there was CDs when I moved to the States even, there might've still been tapes. It well, could've I, still been tapes. When you moved, it was 94, you moved to America? 94, yeah. 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 So it would have, yeah, been like the, the, the turnover to the CD era was kind of like, yeah. it was kind of. The first CD I bought when I was over here. Which yeah, was was uh, Sex Pistols. Never mind the bollocks. I do know that. Yeah, I do. Rem- I remember that because prior to that, I didn't even have any means of playing CDs. I had tapes. Mm-hmm. I remember I brought tapes over from England with me that were just mixed tapes. I had some albums. I think I had a Black Flag um, album in the first four years. I think. Yeah. Um, and then I had a mixtape of all this just just a mixture of you know all all that kind of like skate rock stuff and mixed with, um, you know, kind of West coast kind of hardcore music, um, like all, you know, whatever genre you would fit it in, like Minutemen, descendants, all, you know, black flag, that whole thing. Um, so I had a, a lot of, a lot of that stuff on, on tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the first real shows I started to go to out here were, were all, all that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff like forget Fugazi and, you know, and that that kind of stuff. So I, I saw those play a, a mil, you know a bunch of times out here, and and uh, but but prior to moving to the U- the US, like I said, I skated more than I did anything. Were you aware you of know? like those like because I know didn't you was that the skate shop that English Robbie or Robbie? What's that? Was that where Robbie from yeah. uh, Jail Cell Recipes worked? Rob, Robbie worked in um in, in the skate shop after uh, that called Split. Okay. Split Skates, which which was uh, a Manchester shop, but they had one in Liverpool too. Okay. And that was a little further up the street um, from where the planet was and from where Off the Wall was. Off the Wall went and then Split 
became, if I remember, I can't, it's hard to remember when clearly when I was 12 years old, Absolutely. but I was surrounded by all that stuff. I'd be in the skate shop and those guys would be going to, you know, play a gig or they'd be playing music in there that was um, just raw hardcore. Yeah. All the time, you know, and they'd make fun of us because we were little kids coming to shop Robbie Wood and and because uh, you know, we weren't doing the coolest stuff and we weren't, you know, bowing down to Philly and, and, uh, and, and you know, some of the skaters like that they were into, like Ricky Windsor and those kinds of skaters. Yeah. Um, but that's only because we didn't freaking know. We didn't even have a minute to digest any of it yet because we were em- embryos. Um, but I was always around all that, and everyone that was in that skate shop was always buying uh, records because it was in a kind of an older building with all these other stores, and there was like record stores in there, like uh, LP. Collecting. Oh, did they tear? Did they tear that thing down? Was it like a a big like shopping center type thing, kind of? Um, there's been a few, like there's the few skate shops that's been in the city, they've kind of bounced around and they've been, yeah. in, they've been different and they've been in different like old buildings in there, but they all have a similar dynamic, that kind of hippie, like joystick kind of smell yeah. when you walk in and there's, <laughs> yeah. you go up to two flights of stairs and the stairs are like super steep and wore out old wooden stairs and you'd get to one level and there's four stores up there. One of them <laughs> sold like Dr. Martens and the other one sold like really bad kind of vintage, just junk, you know, and then there was the skate shop. Yeah. Um, but there's been a few skate shops. I mean, Probe sold boards originally. And then before that, there was actually a, a mountain sports store called Alice Brigham that mm-hmm. sold, that sold some of the first skateboard stuff in Liverpool. If I, if I do remember, so- um, so was skateboarding, yeah. when did skateboarding really hit England at the same time in America? Was it big in like sort of the, the 60s at the first point and then kind of came back again later on? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I mean, uh, Tony Alver uh, and, and guys from that area would tell would be able to tell you a little bit clearer because I know Tony came to Liverpool really early on, mm-hmm. um, very, very, very long time ago. And um, and uh, and there was a lot of skate parks in, in our area. But by the time I started skating, a lot of them were like – broken down mm-hmm. just remnants of what was left of of, uh, of, a, of a crazy old someone some skate park design that somebody conjured up in their head you know they were generally like the roughest concrete you could ever possibly imagine why would you ever build a kid's park made out of that stuff <laughs> kind of thing um you fell once and you you suffered for months you know mm-hmm. <laughs> on them um so when we first started going to parks in the city it, they were all broken down so they were half filled in or you know but so we had a lot of pretty interesting that you know skate parks in, in the area if we had the chance to get to them and we also what was cool about liverpool is is like location wise we had we had guys like you know howard cook and, and adam cook that were on the other side of the water in wallasey which is across the other side of the river mersey if you look at a map of liverpool um you go across the directly from the city center across the water and you take the ferry across the Mersey. Yeah, the, um, the Voorhees played on that ferry one time. Yeah, yes, it's a, it's amazing as long as it's <laughs> as long as it's not all over the place raining. Yeah, they, um, I can't believe they do shows on that city ferry. Like I don't know if they still do it, obviously. I but. don't think they still they still do it. You can also rig it up though. Be, but that's I think, so amazing. <laughs> I think uh, it would be it would be amazing to do a show in the night. That'd oh my awesome. god, yeah. Um, but, but, um, so we, so we had different people. We were influenced. Like we had a lot of different people from different areas that skated that would bring in their, their kind of music style or their skate style. And and it was all hand in hand, you know, like, um, we all, we all skated together. All, all the guys that were into punk and hardcore and, and whatever music anyone was into, there was no, there was no, there was no issues in Liverpool with that. There was never like. Oh, you're wearing baggy pants. Oh, you've got dreads. Oh, you're listening to punk and you're listening to reggae. Like it was no one really, honestly, really give a shit as long as everyone was down to skate. And that was what was rad about Liverpool's. Everyone was always down to skate. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone was always out skating. There was, it was never like that was what we were doing. We loved it. Like, and that was apparent. And that's, I think that's one thing a lot of the Liverpool skaters and the guys who were in bands in Liverpool took with them is that. We we did it, you know what I mean. We were we were into it big time, and I don't think every area kind of had that kind of dedication to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we always knew like um, you know Robbie and everybody was in 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 a band, but I, I never saw him play, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, they're one of those bands that I wish I had seen live, and even video footage of them is not, not that easy to find, you know. And they're yeah. 
Oh, they took Youth of the Day, I think, on... Well, they were opening for Youth of the Day on that first tour, I think, over yeah. there. But that would have been something special to see. But also... Well, have you tried to get a hold of Robbie? He's around. Oh, I, I know. Oh, my God. I've stayed at Robbie's yes. house. Robbie have is... You? Uh, Oh yeah, Robbie is a a, a friend. Absolutely, I, yeah. I love that guy. Brad. Punish him about jail cell recipes every time I see him. It's Liverpool, yeah. like from that's the first place we ever played was in one of those giant things that you were describing uh, when we went to the UK for the first time in the band. Was it one of Foxy's gigs? Was no, it, or, no, no, it was booked by another guy who was awesome, and he yeah. gave us jacket potatoes to eat. But Foxy was out of town on a skateboarding trip, so. Yeah. And that's what leads into my next point I wanted to bring up. So no one was at the show. Like no yeah. one was there. And it that's was, unusual because Liverpool usually gets a pretty good time. Well, that's the thing that is kind of stuff. everyone was away because it was like a big skateboarding thing that everyone went yeah. out of town for. And that's because I guess, you know, you say like you don't have to be punk to be in a skateboarding in Liverpool, but it seems like a lot of the punks that I've met there, the, were skateboarders like i'd say the majority of punks that i met are are into skateboarding and that goes right to this day with like my friend like russ and and stuff like that who who are like all these people are still skating you know and it's it's and it's it really and i don't know maybe like i haven't been involved in the right punk scene in london or to see it as much but you don't really see it in the rest of the uk in the same way that you do in liverpool no i've seen that i've seen no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you do. You do, but I, I don't know if you see as many of the older guys still skating like you do in Liverpool. Whether mm-hmm. you, the thing you don't see them a lot in Liverpool, but they do skate. You know, there is. I mean, I have a good friend who's one of the older skaters in Liverpool. His name's Fez, and he's in his fifties. And I think and, I met uh, Fez with Foxy actually. Yeah, probably, and he yeah. still skates. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not when anyone's around. Everyone in the city probably thinks he doesn't, but yes, he does. He goes. He still goes to Tesco supermarket and hits the curbs up. Mm-hmm. You know, puts on his deep purple to get hyped, and then heads <laughs> over there. You know, that um, that that would make sense. Like just like it seems like the fact that there is such a uh like a a populace of skateboarding people that that they would yeah. still be skating. But it's also a music culture, like the city, mm-hmm. the city, the city center in in Liverpool is is pretty amazing. It's the location of it, right on the water, um, is just it's beautiful, um, and so it has it had it had and it has lots of space to put on shows and those kinds of things. So it's always had that kind of like scene, um, but it's always had a pretty pretty rad um, kind of bar scene too, like the. The characters in Liverpool are very much willing to communicate with anyone from out of the city and have and have a laugh. Like mm-hmm. a good sense of humour, good sense of camaraderie, uh, and uh, and I think that 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 definitely is nurtures music. You know those kinds of environments where you have an old fella in the pub sitting in the corner and you can have a laugh with him, and maybe he went and saw the Beatles. Do you know what I'm saying? And you can have that conversation with them. It's very. It's always been a very much a music oriented culture. But if you again, if you look at like the location of Liverpool, it has like influx of people coming from just north of there, like South Southport. Um, you know, and you can go northeast of there, and then you're in Manchester or or that whole area. And you have those kind of influences coming from those areas into Liverpool, and then you know you can. You can get a, a boat to Ireland from there, or you can go right across the water and be in, in Wallace in North Wales. And all those different people go into the city of Liverpool regularly um, to get their stuff, you know, or if they need to go into a big city for whatever reason. So you get it, and it has a lot of universities and stuff too, a lot mm-hmm. of big universities, and a lot of the city culture and a lot of the old history of the city uh, is uh, is right in the city centre. You know, you have two big um, churches right in the city centre and a big old port with those old warehouse spaces and everything. Um, so, it, you know, you have that influx of, of students and you have that bar culture and you have that that uh, character and it's going to breed um, good and bad and that can come out of music. And, you know, Liverpool's an area that doesn't have, has, has had great musicians come out of it that aren't just from one genre from lots of different genres and it's not a big city it's small population wise it's not one of the biggest cities in the country um but from from historically and from from just a cultural standpoint it's one of the most important mm-hmm. um you know and uh and the more you look into the city the more that becomes apparent you know also, uh, yeah 
No, I was going to say, it seems like more more sense of civic pride than any other few cities I find, too. Like, everyone, you know, I've met from Liverpool knows, like, a ton about the history, you know? And, like, I guess, you know, like, or we'll talk about boys from the black stuff or, or yeah. make reference to, like, you know, like, it just knows about kind of, like, the importance of that that yeah. that place. Um yeah. So you kind of talked earlier about skateboard videos, and that was so important for exposing your music. Do you remember the first one of those you bought? Savannah Slammer. Okay. Savannah Slammer in in Savannah, Georgia. That was a Thrasher video, but I, I bought it from um, my friend who I mentioned a little earlier. That was a Neanderthal-looking skater named Gobbo. Yeah. Uh, and that he would always wear like an a denim jacket with a big overkill patch on the back. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but he was the only guy I'd heard that somebody had a skate video and he, he was the only guy that had it. And I, I eventually got a hold of him. He's like, yeah, I have it. It's in someone's house. You want to buy it? And I, I skated with him from one guy's house to another guy's house. And, you know, was waiting there for hours. Eventually someone comes down with a tape, hands it to him. I gave him some money and I took it home and watched it. And it, and it, it turns out years later, he'd sold me like half of the video. <laughs> but it was a VHS. It was a VHS copy of a VHS copy of a copy that was filmed out of someone's ass. And, um, and uh, I, I watched it, and, and it, it was years later before I realized. Like I said, it was only half the video, so I only knew it as like what I was watching. It would towards the end, it would just crackle, 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 and then it would go off, and it would go into like an episode of EastEnders or something like that. He taped over. Um, but uh but yeah it was savannah slammer and that and, and if you watch that video uh, i think it was savannah slammer i'm not sure if it was the second one or the third one i can never remember yeah but it was the one that had all of the stesic artwork over it and it was all drunk engines music all the way through most of it and uh and they had all those short clips of all of those all of those characters that i'd never been exposed to you know eric dressen and and uh, Scott Oster and, and um, you know, and, and Tommy Guerrero and um, Lance Mountain and, and all of those. And, and I was actually, believe it or not, um, I was watching it last night. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was watching Bill Downforce running it because I, I'm watching Bill Downforce running and I'm looking at it going, this is just incredible. I, I want to skate like this right now. Like, <laughs> let me have some of this energy. Um, but, uh, but if you watch that video and you watch the full runs that guys had, Man, they were like hyper, hyper powerful then. Like they, they skated pretty big obstacles and pushed on the flat ground to get the speed for them in that video. And it, it was pretty amazing. Um, so, so I watched that video and that, that's the first time I saw tricks, you know? Yeah. The only tricks I knew were what I was seeing a couple of friends doing. And it was basically just ollies and axle stalls and stuff like that. And when I watched that video, blew me away and the music was so energy driven it went it was so in tune with what was going on on the board um that i i, I would have to say that like that you know from a music standpoint was really what got me hooked on skateboarding mm -hmm. you know and that was mofo the drunk engines yeah. you know yeah, well, Mofo was uh, was the original editor for Thrasher magazine, yeah. so he was responsible for a lot of like the 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 thrash, you know, that we take for granted in the in the word Thrasher, you know. He he very much brought the the balls to that whole program and and put it in the mag. And the, know, and, the current, else. and the current editor is like an old Boston hardcore guy too. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, and so they made that music for that kind yeah. of thing. Really, they were just. If you ask Mofo, he'll just tell you he was just he just did what was in front of him and just kind of just went for it a little. Um, but he's a great singer. Oh, smoke! Is he a good singer? And that was something that you know years later you do you do you do give thanks for that. Like wow, like they were they were good too. They were talented. You know what they were doing, and and so it stands the test of time. And I find a lot of music doesn't and a lot of the early skate music and a lot of hardcore for me stands the test of time mm -hmm. you know um and uh and that was it really like uh, that's that's what i liked and that's why i liked motorhead so much is because because lemmy was uh, he, his writing was uh, I, I understood it and and i i, I felt it and he, he was very much speaking in a way that i wish i could uh, express myself um and uh you know and, and the first time i met him 
um, he used to go and see the Beatles play and he used to take a train uh, from, from North Wales across to Liverpool and get off on Lime Street Station and walk all the way over um, to where he probably walked right – in fact, he without a doubt walked right past where Probe Records was uh, a few doors up and would go into the cavern and, play, and places there and watch. And so he told me, like, really the first time I met him, um, like he said John Lennon was about as punk as it gets. Uh, he said he just wouldn't take any shit from anybody in the crowd. You know, anyone messes with him, he just whack him. You know, basically with his with his with his uh, instruments yeah. and everything. And um, and 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 it was it, it, Lemmy took that. He took all of that character from a lot of different places and put it into his music. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, and so. I don't know. Liverpool effect has affected a lot of people in, in, in a lot of creative ways, and I'm just I'm thankful that I, I grew up in the city. It's a, it's an amazing place. Well, know? it's funny because like you think of John Lennon, and it's you know you brought him up that those shows having to having to deal with the audience. It's like yeah, Liverpool. You know, it's an amazing place, but it is a hard city. And especially yeah. at that point, it would have been you know oh in, yeah in hard the sixties. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was very industrial yeah. too, because it was a port town. I and mean, my granddad was a, both my granddads. One of them was in the in in the, in the war. You know, he was in the military, mm-hmm. uh, and he was pretty much pretty much just shell shocked when he got back. You know, seeing his best friend's throat slit right in front of him and blood splattering all over him. And, uh, and my other granddad was a ship ship fitter in the docks in Liverpool. And so Liverpool is a very, very tough place for a number of reasons. It was tough because you had to be tough to feed your family, I think, um, and very middle class. And so come the weekend, um, including for us when we would skate, it was get all that out, you know, because the rest of the week you're, you're, you're fighting uphill mm-hmm. a little. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and it's, got a, it's got a little bit better in the city. It's not quite as bad in the city center area as it used to be well it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be because there's cameras everywhere now um but uh but it's still rough and tumble mm. you know it's still rough and tumble well you mentioned you having to get a bootleg video and i guess yeah. what, like were they doing them in region one at that point like were they doing skate videos no idea yeah, like, no, they, I, I have no idea. It was Someone like a bootleg be, circuit, I bet. Who knows? God knows how it was recorded. And, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, and then I saw Wheels on Fire, which was a little softer, right? Yeah. Like listening to still going from like the Drunk Engine to them watching the Santa Cruz video with uh, with all the Descendants music in there, which is very, very catchy, isn't it? Like Descendants is very, very kind of catchy music. And oh, absolutely. Kind of a, a, a drawn out punk, not, not as... Uh, not quite as fast or, or not quite as explosive aggression or anything. Um, but, uh, so that, you know, I was exposed to that. And then, so I, I, I started listening to that music from, from that. So really the, the skate side of it for me, if it was an escape video and, and, and the, the stuff that I remembered, I, I pursued it musically. Um, and, um, you know, and that's and that's kind of that's kind of like I did. I did have a record collection for quite a while, a lot of East Coast hardcore, and I had every one of the Dinosaur Junior albums on first press and stuff like that. Laura, but but my brain has been. I banged my head so many times now I couldn't remember half of what I had probably. <laughs> um, but uh, but I have always liked that genre of music. I mean, some of my favorite bands. My you know my favorite band that I can listen to at any time is is Longfish. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a massive uh, Higgs fan, um, and uh, and I can listen to any of their albums any day of the week, however I'm feeling, and I I love hearing it. Um, and I don't find that with a lot of music. Um, I find that his music is so. Um, I, I I don't even know if you could even attempt to to put it into any kind of bubble other than it's unique. Uh, it's unique. Mm-hmm. And and it's very much uh, creative and open and doesn't close doors in your head. It creates um, inspiration uh, for me. Uh, and then I like the slow and steady drone of a lot of the longfish kind of sound um, and the way that he expresses those, you know, hits those high points with his with his singing. Um, and I, I only got to see him play once. I saw him in Washington D.C. 
um, with uh, with Ed Templeton and a long. I don't know when. Remember when that was early nineties, mid mid nine late nineties. Then if I came here in ninety four, would have been I don't know ninety ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere in there. I saw um, them, and um, you know. You talked about going to see Fugazi earlier, and and yeah. you know seeing Lungfish. Um, what was like kind of the DC? Where where was that coming to you from? Like where are you getting into that music from? Well, um, well, Fugazi and and, and the Minor Threats. I, I, I knew that music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean through through natural progression of listening to some of the other stuff or hearing stuff on on videos, skate videos that came after that. Yeah. Um, and then also from exploring music uh, in those genres, you come to that pretty quick. Um, but then I, I, when I moved here from you know, 94, the, the first, really the first like six years, six, seven, eight years, six, I, I spent a lot of time with that Templeton. Um, and so I was exposed to a lot of new music uh, through him. And I, so I explored more of the Discord sound than I had done before. Uh, through through liking a lot of like Fugazi and and, and ex- expanding into Longfish and then looking at um, some of the maybe the less known uh, disco bands like Grey Matter and, and Dag Nasty and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love all that stuff now. Even now I can listen to it. It doesn't sound like it's kid kids singing. It doesn't sound like it's dated. It sounds uh, very much uh, genuine. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Um, and I still find tracks, you know, with those bands that, I, you know, the more I listen to it, I, I listen to some of those songs differently and find new, you know, new inspiration in them or find out that some tracks that maybe I, I, I didn't really give as much time now I'm really like opening up to, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so I, I'm still exploring that. I mean, I'd love to hear younger bands like that taking those kinds of sounds and, really turning it into some more current you know and and uh, we were we're we're ready for that we're ready for sort of like a, a whole new music genre explosion that um i don't know comes from a place of education i think i think kids need that now you want to start a band <laughs> <laughs> but we're too old <laughs> no well let me tell you if i'm if i'm too old i'm in a lot of trouble uh, well, it's funny because, like, you know, DC. So am I, a skateboarder, a... 40. But it doesn't, who cares? It's uh, the creative doors, if they're open and you progress and then keep them open. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, DC does have, like, a, a great, they've got a new wave of DC hardcore. Do they? Is, is the, they're calling it. And there's, like, a lot of cool bands kind of coming out there right now. I need to hear some that of are, that. I need to, there's, need to hear there's, that. Yeah, and there's, 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 like, and also, like, hip hop wise, there's, like, a lot of people doing, like, Kendrick Lamar, like, doing, there is like a a real rap progression too, like yeah. lyrically. Like I think that's the thing is we're. Oh, coming... I know. I'm not. I'm not turning down that, but that's not. It just has no no bearing to my yeah, upbringing. Yeah. It's just you not know, sonically so what you want to hear. Yes, the, yeah. but I I respect it, and I like a lot of the younger hip hop guys. I like all of those um, Tyler and all those guys what they're doing I, I like the fact that they're just going and doing their thing and it's mm-hmm. real and they're, and they're into it and that's amazing and it's genuinely pretty positive too you know it's not a negative i'm gonna kill someone i've got a nice check out my bitch on my arm right here she's got big tits check this out it's um it's a little more there's a little more to it than that and I, that progression's great to see um i just wish we'd see more punk hardcore influenced music that's more more people are seeing like what they saw with the Sex Pistols. People saw the Sex Pistols. Yeah. They were on television. They were all over the place, and they and they and they weren't watering down their music to get on there. They were they were doing it just out of sheer just balls, and just uh, and they were hitting it right on the dot culturally at that time. And and uh, the world drives me nuts right now. Like if, if I was you know sixteen years old. You know, and had the the willpower to go down that round, start a band. Man, it'd be a great time. To- to do that so mm-hmm. there's a lot of, that you could just raise hell over you know mm-hmm. um you know i mean well yeah no definitely i think i think this is a point where you're you're you know it's like if it if it wasn't if it didn't feel like 1975 76 or 1985 or 84 yeah. 
I don't know what it feels like then. Um, but like sex whistles were such a confluence of time and space. Like, I don't know. I just couldn't imagine something like that happening again, taking hold, you know, in the same yeah. way that it did. Right. Like it just, no, well it never does. It's never the same. Right. I mean, it was, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't, I mean, when the Beatles came in and, you know, and when, and then, you know, you had, um, Sabbath and Zeppelin and all of that kind of stuff coming. They they still they like I said musically they were they were refreshing and but you still it was it was visible. Uh, you know I find a lot of like you know the hardcore music that I listened to for for out of out of choice from the musicians they didn't want it to be like that they wanted it to just you needed to find it. And, and if you liked it, then you needed to listen to it. But they weren't going to commercialize it or cross water down their music to to uh, to appeal to a broader spectrum. And I can relate to that completely. I mean, I feel the same, a similar way about that with skateboarding, where it's a fine line. You're always running running the edge, and you know, I, I I've been you know ridden for some bigger companies now and and over the time that i've been a skateboarder and and then i'll tell you at times it has been difficult to go hmm, I, I don't really want to have my face on that but then sometimes you make the informed decision because if somebody doesn't do some of that then it's going to be worse and that, like I, I find that a lot. I mean, that I do the street league commentary stuff because I love skateboarding. It's easy for me to talk about skateboarding, and I'm comfortable people hearing me talking about skateboarding. And uh, that's why I do it. I do it because I like and enjoy doing it. But if if I was if it was a different circumstance, it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't work for me. And and that's an an example, but. It, it has always been. And Lemmy's a good example of that. He was really commercially. He got he got a lot of respect from a lot of the you know other his peers in the industry, um, and he got a lot of play and a lot of publicity from people saying that all the time that they bowed down to him. Whether it was guys like you know Ozzy or whether it was you know Dave Grohl or somebody from the Foo Fighters who. I'm not a big fan of their music. Never really have been, even though a great band. Um, but they would tell everybody that musically Lemmy's shit, you know. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, he, they were making no money off their albums and barely being able to be a band. And mm-hmm. uh, and yet he was making music that was fantastic, you know. And that that's kind of my point. It's a hard. I just I'd like to see some of that music that uh, I've been influenced by that I do think has is has a, a rad energy to it and, and an educational backbone to it on a lot of it. I'd like yep. to see some of that a little bit more, you know, kind of out out in people's faces because our history of our skateboarding came is is punk rock. Yeah, it is. So yeah, like there definitely seemed like there was a point, uh, like in the '90s where, and you were like the one like flying in the face of this where it was like shifting away from being a punk, you know, in, yeah. into like just sort of like a broader music cultured, yeah. uh, thing than, than just being a punk sport. licensing became a big issue. And that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a big, imagine like a small company that doesn't really have the resources to go and pay a bunch of money to use music because it just doesn't. And the resources it has, it puts into progressing it's at its guys that ride for it or, making a video and that's mm-hmm. more important we play it silent if we can but some of those earlier skate videos you know you had those guys skating you know you had the guys in black flag ingrained in like the skate culture and descendants and drunk engines you know you had drunk engines editor of thrasher was the singer so you, d- you didn't see that strangely you didn't from that progression from that late 80s to early 90s and then as skateboarding started to kind of have another wave of success uh, which was kind of like when I moved to the US the timing of that from like the mid 90s to the early thousands um, that was the last wave of commercial growth in skateboarding Uh, the music that we pumped out was a lot of music that was like a lot of classic rock uh, a lot of classic punk and stuff too like that like in the in the flip videos and baker videos and zero videos and 
and to you know to a lesser extent in some of the the girl videos and you know they had more of a soul rock and roll music um, backbone but um and so we 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 i think like that generation used a lot of classic music um and uh because we didn't have access to a lot of the younger stuff and the younger stuff you saw was already in like your 411 videos like if you wanted to listen to fugazi or you know any of the disco bands or anything like that they'd already been used in a lot of like 411 video magazines so making our videos when we were looking for good music we just went straight to the classics and tried to use tracks that people didn't know about or use bands that you know maybe one of the singers that was in in one of the big major rock and roll bands already had a side band so we'd look at their music and use stuff like that mm. or like what you know i did where i tapped into a lot of like the discord music for our first flip video because we knew i knew i could get rights to it because um i was friends with ian, ian mckay through through uh through ed templeton and through going to all those Fugazi shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and also with being friends with Tony Alva, who was close with Ian, um, I was able to get Discord stuff. So I tapped into that knowing, you know, we can put a load of Discord music in, in the flip videos and we'll break it up and we can use the rights to it. And it will be, it will have that kind of connection to early skate music. And maybe it'll expose that music to people that, you know, maybe didn't know that there was other disco bands that were equally as good as the ones that were well known. Um, you know, there was a real, yeah, synergy that worked together between like, you know, like so many people have been on this podcast have talked about how they discovered, you know, Steve, Steve McBean from black mountain, pink mountain tops talking about how he discovered a dinosaur junior through skate videos, you know? And like, yeah, there's just so much of music discovery. Weird you just said that. Cause I was just going to say, and then after that, when 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 Flip was making its early videos, we started doing tour videos and stuff. We we were looking for music to be able to use on tour videos, but again we had a budget because we we were doing them on a a cable television network. Mm-hmm. So they gave us budgets for the show, and all had to be music, all had to be licensed and approved, and we could either use from there, go into their catalog. And I I literally sat there and listened to probably freaking a thousand CDs or something and just went 99.9% of them are awful. And this 1% still awful, but it's, you know, <laughs> and then I'm sitting with, with hands in front of me going, okay, well, I know I can get you know, all the motorhead stuff or any, anything that they're friends with, you know, and I know I can get the, the discord stuff, but what am I going to put on, you know, what else am I going to find? And that's when I started to look at like, uh, you know, I found Black Mountain and, and Steve. And Steve was amazing, letting us use a lot of his music in our tour videos, mm-hmm. um, just openly and and genuinely, and just enjoyed skateboarding. Was stoked that his music was playing over the top of skateboarding, and 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 I was stoked that he skated and we were using his music. Um, <laughs> he's a rad guy, amazing rad guy. guy. And and yeah. also, it's funny he like he you know first started going like. He've gotten a punk when he was like 12 years old or something yeah. crazy, like going to shows that like I wouldn't even imagine. Like he said, he's like, yeah, I had to miss Minor Threat for the first time because I was too young to go. Yeah. And so it's like, holy geez. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, well, I could talk to you forever and uh, I haven't even started telling you about, you know, your shoes and all the stuff that I have downstairs that belong to you. <laughs> but anyway, I yeah. can leave that for another time. Uh, Jeff, yeah. I just kind of want to, I guess, wrap by saying, yeah, like you, you kind of brought up the, the change in, in everything that happened, I guess, post the collapse of the music industry when everyone started yeah. like freaking out about licensing. Yeah. It was very difficult. Nothing was quick and no one would get back with you. And it was right when, e- you know, email was really I mean, cause you got you got to think like cell phones, laptops, all that stuff, all that technology was all just coming into play all mm-hmm. uh, all around that time, and so there was good sides to it, but then there was a lot of problems with music licensing, skate videos, and that's unfortunate. You know, that's unfortunate. Or I, mean, I, I was good friends with um, the guy um, who makes all the music videos for the Coral. You know, that Liverpool band, the Coral. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Him? Yeah. Um, and uh, and I had like a total in wrote his brothers in the band um everything was great they skated and he made all the music videos which were pretty rad their music videos are actually pretty cool but my friend kevin made those and um and i still couldn't get to use their music for a big commercial over here because sony just shut it down even though it would have been great for the band 
You know, it was a big Vans commercial that was running on MTV. They'd have been paid for it, everything properly. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get to use the music. So there's an example of very difficult. It has been very difficult to, to show that music that maybe should be, you know, um, used um, and exposed to people through stuff like skateboarding. But as skateboarding becomes commercial, people want money out of it. And so it's a fine line between get, getting a bro deal, getting someone paid and, and and essentially everyone's happy where the music plays over skateboarding and kids are exposed to new music through skateboarding and through youth culture, creative youth culture. Yeah, like do you um, think it's a, it's going to change skateboarding in a way? Because like we've talked so much about how skateboarding is so tied to music, you know, be it – Well, you can't play it. Like think about it. Like how, yeah. like right now, let's just say we get off the phone. We go, okay, let's make an, a, a big skateboard video, whoever it's for. How do we get rights to the music? It all has to be licensed and therefore it more than likely has to be paid for. Mm-hmm. And so you're then looking at a massive music budget and it just doesn't justify the means. You know, it, it really just it doesn't uh, when you're not going to sell any DVDs, much like yeah. if you make an album, you, you know, you, you're not going to sell. You're probably going to sell more online than you're going to sell uh, hard copies in this day and age. But you, you'd know that, that more than me because I don't distribute music or or sell it or buy it like that. So I, I'm not completely up with the state of the union. Um, but it's not much different from us making a skate video where we spend years making creatively this new thing and we go to put it out and and then it's on all of these rip off sites and mm-hmm. all over you know Facebook and Instagram or people start and media things through those free social media outlets and taking all of your creative energy and just ripping it down and putting it into short clips and taking it from everywhere and trying to start a business on that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard to, it's hard for me to see that and think that that's a good thing because it's creative theft. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it'd be much like them taking your music, putting it into a mix and making a whole website of that and just taking stuff from everywhere, you know? I don't want people to see my skateboarding from 20 years ago. It's gone. Look at it now. <laughs> yeah, you like, know? I guess that's the thing is, like, nothing goes away. It's here forever. Yeah. You know, and, and there's now, it's just like, there's just everything. It's just a glut. Well, it's free. Um, like, people just can, like, if I go out right now, I film five tricks on a skateboard you know whatever three seconds a clip somebody came out and filmed me they spent their time coming out and, and documenting that and using their creative eye and their, their their creativity with sound to document that and then people just post it all day long mm-hmm. and so and they, they can change the music they don't have to credit anybody they're supposed to obviously it's already covered by copyright and trademark laws those those elements are um but it doesn't stop people doing it and i don't think it's i don't think it's a great thing you know i, I think it's going to tighten up a little bit more because it's too much information is just that you know yeah well certainly you know like as you say like it you know I, it's funny because like people don't even bring it up but as much but like skateboarding videos is another thing that was you know probably devastated by uh, downloading and and streaming and things oh, like absolutely. that absolutely yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we those videos cost a lot more money than people think, mm-hmm. you know. And and if you look at the videos from like uh, the the late nineties, early thousands, they were filmed all over the whole world. Skate videos before that weren't. They were, you know, the Santa Cruz videos were filmed in Southern California. Do you know what I'm saying? The Powell videos were mostly filmed in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, Savannah Slammer video was filmed because it was a contest in Georgia in, in one Georgia. place over the course of probably a week or less. And uh, and so our videos, the first videos from from the generation that I kind of really grew up in, um, or or after I'd moved to the US and and was, was actively permanently twenty four seven skating, um, living in an apartment with however many people were in there. Um, we, we, we had tricks everywhere in the whole world. And the idea was let's make the best videos we possibly can. I don't care where we need to go. If we can get somebody to pay for it or we can pay for it, we'll just go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the mentality in those early flip videos and zero videos and uh, Baker videos. Um, it really was. And same with the music. It was a, we're going to choose all of our own music for our parts. 
no one's going to choose that. Some guy that doesn't skate is not going to choose the music that I'm going to have over me riding my board. Um, and it, it's easy it's easy to say, but if you actually think about it and look back, it wasn't like that before uh, that 90s, early thousands generation that I grew up in, the, t- the Tony Hawk Pro Skater period. Mm-hmm. Like guy, videos before that, like big skate videos, guys didn't choose their own music. It didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Um, and so, um, that was important to me and, and, and a lot of other guys that are of my age. And, uh, and, you know, I, I hope that that's as important to some of the younger dudes now, um, mm. you know, but it, it, they've got to occur. It's that they're, you know, you're in charge of your own destiny to a large extent. So, you know, that's the way I do it. Like no one will ever choose music for any of my video parts because, that there's a lot of like you know blood sweat and tears in those videos and i love it and i enjoy doing it and i want people to get an experience feel that 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 energy while we're out skating and have the music be in sync with the skating and and you know who who knows your music that you like better than yourself you know absolutely so if you can find something that moves with your rhythm and and so you know you know, if you if you look at a lot of the videos, the music that I've had, it's generally been fairly similar stuff. You know, over mm-hmm. time, there's always that uh, energy drive to it, or it doesn't make me want to skate, and I want to watch something that makes me want to skate. Well, you know, you know, not this would be a, a point for another day, but yeah, Tony Hawk yeah. Pro Skater, we could go into because that is another thing that a ton of people that have been on the show. That's what introduced them to punk. Yeah. You know, like Crazy. A, a whole other generation of kids getting into it through well, that. Well, Motorhead can thank me for that. I got them in that one. Well, there you go. Well, thank you for yeah. that. Because uh, a lot of, the, I think maybe it would be a different generation of musicians even more today. Than without that. Uh, yeah. I thank you so much, Jeff, for taking, yeah, taking the time to talk to me, man. Yeah, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll get to see you around uh, soon. Hopefully I get to see you play soon. Absolutely, man. Thank you, Jeff, for coming on the show. And Jeff will hopefully be by for a part two or, you know, he and I are talking about doing some music. So who knows? Who knows? we got plans. we got plans in the future. Speaking of the future, next week on the show, this is one that was kind of a birthday gift for myself. Today's my birthday. Full disclosure, I'm doing this on my birthday. And, uh, whew, this is a birthday gift for myself birthday gift for you because next week on the show someone who's been talked about numerous times on this show many many times her name has come up she is one of the i would say one of the most important guitar players in the city of toronto next week on the show allison baker of teen crud combo now of san francisco's dirty ghosts she is someone who has incredible stories i'm telling you next week on the show you will hear one of if not the if not the greatest first punk show going to experiences ever told on this show. This is something I promise you. That is next week on the show. Allison Baker is here. Finally, I feel like this was like one of the ones. She's one of the first people I had on my list of people I wanted to interview for this show because she is that important to this city. So that is next week on the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, See you over on Footnotes. We'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure, on Footnotes. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast and write a review and rate it if you enjoy it. Um, You can also uh, hit me up on social media, at Damien. Uh, you can and uh, yeah that's it turn out a punk Facebook turn out a punk Tumblr that's it I will see you next week thank you everyone for listening bye what's so special about Hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs 5 to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.